Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the word of God that is alive and active, that is sharper than any double-edged sword that pierces into our hearts separates our thoughts and our motives and intents. Father, I thank you that today it's your word that transforms us. It's your Holy Spirit that reveals the word and how it can apply to our lives. Father, I thank you that you get me out of the way and that people see you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. I have a question for you. Have you ever shown up somewhere and you realized that you were wearing the wrong shoes? I'm not talking about like you had one black shoe and one brown shoe. If that's the case, drink less coffee, sleep more, and you'll be fine. But I'm talking like you were somewhere and you're like, I should have worn different shoes for this. Ladies, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? You thought you just had to wear those heels at the meeting today, but then your husband bounced on soccer practice and you're trying to walk through the soccer field like this and doing everything that you can to make it, right? I mean, we are so, we don't realize how important different types of shoes are to us. Like right now it's NFL and NBA season. It's NBA preseason, but can I say, I don't watch the NFL, I watch the NBA because the NFL takes too long and they don't score enough. And I just, my attention span, I can't do all that. But just picture for a moment, what if it was the NFL or the NBA and they were wearing bowling shoes to play the game? First of all, it would be incredible because everybody would be falling all the time. But second, there would be a lot of torn ACLs. A lot of bad things would be happening because a different shoe serves a different purpose. In fact, Nike developed the Vaporfly. And the Vaporfly was specifically created to help people break the two-hour barrier in a marathon. And the Vaporfly weighs about 6.9 ounces if you're wearing a men's size 10, which is extremely light. But the crazy thing about the Vaporfly is that the entire bottom of it has a carbon fiber plate that basically provides rebound every time that you step. And so it propels you forward. It's so effective that there's actually debate in the running community about whether it should be legal or not. Because it's so helpful and it provides such an advantage. You got these amazing innovations like that. Then you got like the most simple thing, like a steel toe boot. Like I picture one guy was like, I'm tired of getting my toes smashed. I'm gonna do something about this. And he just fixed his own boot and did whatever he wanted. The simplest things, if you're running on a road, you need a road running shoe. If you're running on a trail, you need a trail shoe because you're gonna slip everywhere. Your shoes are adapted to your terrain. And the terrain I think that we're living in in this day and age It's pretty rocky, pretty unstable, pretty slippery. And we see that in so many ways. We see that in the huge ways all around us, like the headlines and what we just prayed about with Israel and Ukraine and wars and rumors of wars. We see that in the ways like our economy with prices going up and interest rates rising and what do I do about this and about that? But then we see the foundation beginning to crumble in other ways too. We see people who we thought were firm in their faith, but now they walked away from Jesus. Maybe we thought we were firm in our faith, but now we're questioning more than we ever had. We see people who we thought their marriage was rock solid, but then we look on Facebook and they're not together anymore. The foundation crumbles. We even see that the foundations of truth are crumbling in our society. 
In fact, it's really interesting in the book of Isaiah chapter 59, Pastor Don explained this to us a couple of weeks ago that it talks about in that chapter about how God came down with salvation as his helmet and righteousness as his breastplate. And Pastor Don explained that when Paul is preaching or speaking this message of Ephesians, what he's really referencing is that God is giving us his armor so that we can fight the battle. But right before that scripture in Isaiah 59, listen to what it says. It says, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away for truth has stumbled in the public squares. Would you agree today that truth has stumbled in the public square? Now, you could say anything right there. You could say that truth has stumbled in in the big ways of morality. You could say that truth has stumbled in the little ways of how do we know what photo is real and what photo was AI generated anymore? It's little and it's big, but everywhere around us, it seems like the terrain is getting rockier than ever, more unstable than ever. So here's what I wanna ask you today. Are you wearing the right shoes? What shoes are you wearing today? I'm reminded of that old hymn that says, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. There is no other firm foundation but Jesus Christ. And that's what we believe today. So I wanna talk to you today on the subject of walking in peace. If you're looking for a title to write down in your notes, and I encourage you to take notes, you can write down walking in peace. How do we keep our footing? How do we keep our traction? How do we keep our grip in a godless society? How do we walk in peace? In Ephesians chapter six, Paul gives us the secret when he talks about our shoes. Ephesians 6, 10 through 15, here's what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, I want you to do something with me as we read the rest of this. I want you to count how many times he says stand. And I'm gonna make it awkward for you. I'm gonna ask you to put your finger up every time you hear it. Here we go, ready? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, while your finger's up, I'm gonna make you feel even more awkward and you're gonna keep it there while I talk for a second. But every time I read this part where it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, you probably think about something deep and spiritual, but I think about Nacho Libre. That's what I think about every time when he's like, it says in the Bible not to wrestle your neighbor. That's what I think about every time. So now you know that Nacho Libre is a great theological movie. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Again, you are not fighting a battle against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual battle, and it can only be won with spiritual weapons. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, we're gonna count this one, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, that's a lot of stands. Having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So how many times did Paul say stand? Four. Somebody's like, seven. No, what were you? Okay. Four times he says stand. Can I tell you, any parent knows this. If he said it four times, he's trying to make a point right now. He's trying to say something. Actually, this is just the way my brain works and I'm sorry about it, but every time I read this and I prep for this message, you know, all I could think about was that super annoying REM song. 
Stand in the place. Na, na, na. Uh, yeah, you're welcome all day. That's all you're going to do. You can introduce your kids to that amazing song, which is probably the most annoying one I've ever heard in my life. Um, but here's the question. Paul is talking about standing. He says it four times. And then he leaves us with this statement about putting on shoes. The gospel of peace. The question I'm asking today is what kind of shoes is Paul talking about? Paul's not talking about J's on my feet. Paul's not talking about stomping in Air Force Ones. Paul's not talking about boot scooting boogie. Paul's not talking about if this is your era, my Adidas. Paul is not talking about any of that stuff. Paul is sitting, if you remember what Pastor Don taught us, and he's imprisoned in Rome. So he's probably looking at a Roman soldier. And a Roman soldier would wear these sandals called caligae. I found out something really interesting the other day. The Roman emperor Caligula, they called him that. It was a nickname because when he was a kid, he would wear a military uniform and he would have those sandals called caligae. And they gave him like a nickname as a kid and it stuck all the way into adulthood. But this is a reproduction of what these sandals would look like. I don't know if you knew this, but nobody had digital cameras in the Roman empire. So this is just a fake. But... Um, this is a reproduction of what those sandals would have looked like. And so this is leather sandal with straps and it's got hobnails, which are like almost like metal lugs that are holding it all together. And then here's a picture of an actual ancient one that they found. So you can get this picture. This is what a Roman soldier would be wearing. This is what Paul is looking at when he's speaking about the armor of God. So based on this sandal, I want us to learn today four things that peace does in our lives. And we're gonna kind of take the anatomy, the structure, the function of these sandals, and we're gonna apply it to the gospel and to our lives. Number one, peace prepares me. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Peace prepares me. When Paul is saying, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, he's picturing a Roman soldier tying on their sandals. I like the way the NLT says it. It says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Say prepared. Listen, I've forgotten a lot of things when I left home. I've forgotten my computer for work. I've forgotten, you know, my, my wallet. I've forgotten my phone. I've forgotten probably my AirPods. But if you forget your shoes on the way to work, you have a problem, you know? <laughs> Let me say it like this. If you forget your shoes on the way to work, you're country country, you know what I'm saying? Like, when's the last time you wore some? Nobody leaves home without their shoes. It's how you prepare. And Paul is showing us in this moment that the gospel prepares us for life. That the gospel prepares us for what we're gonna experience in life. The gospel prepares us really for two things. Number one, he makes us prepared for battle. I'm using the word battle, but you could say trial, you could say tribulation, you could say hard times. But in John 16, Jesus is warning his disciples about all the bad things that are gonna happen in the world. And he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. How many of you have ever walked into a meeting or a situation and nobody told you that it was a bad meeting? Like you, if you would have told me what this was about before I walked in, that would have been really helpful, right? Jesus gives that to us. He says, in this world, you're gonna have trouble, but I give you my peace. 
He's preparing you for the battle. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says, having done all to stand firm. Listen, you've got to prepare before the battle starts. Because if you lose your traction in a battle, things aren't going to go well for you. If you lose your traction in a battle, it's going to be a difficult day for you. When you fight, your stance impacts how you fight. It impacts how you take a hit. And it impacts how you deliver a blow as well. And I'm gonna ask you today, maybe life has been hitting you, maybe the enemy has been attacking you, and I'm wondering how well did you prepare your feet? The second thing that happens is it prepares us to preach. Now, you're gonna hear preach and you're gonna picture what I'm doing on stage, but I love the old quote that says that we should preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. You understand that your life in the office is the only sermon that some people will ever hear that you're the body of Christ, his church. And when you go to church, that might be the only time they experience the church. That you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. And so when you're walking in peace, people wonder what's different about you. You're prepared to preach. Second Timothy 4.2, Paul says it this way, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Can I say it like this? On your good days or on your bad days, my peace is still an example of God's faithfulness in my life. My peace preaches to other people. So number one, God's peace prepares me. Number two, God's peace goes with me. See, here's the deal. When you tie your shoes on in the morning, they don't go anywhere throughout the day, right? Unless you're under the age of five, then it's like, how did you even wear? We're at the mall. Where's your shoe? You know? That happens to me a lot. If you can tell, it's kind of a sore spot. But when you tie your shoes on in the morning, they go with you wherever you go. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, Moses is worried about going into the promised land and fighting battles without God's presence on his side. Can I tell you that if you want your family to get into all that God has called you to become, then you're gonna have to fight some battles. But here's what God tells Moses. I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Moses is being told by God, when you walk into that battle to possess the promised land that God said he would give you, I'm gonna go with you. God's peace goes with me wherever I go. Jesus, again, he's telling people about all the bad things that are gonna happen in the world. And he says this, John 14, 25 through 27, I am telling you these things now while I am with you. But when the Father sends the advocate or the Holy Spirit as my representative, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. I'm leaving you with a gift. Here's what's crazy. Jesus is saying, I'm going back to the Father, but I'm sending someone who can do more for you as you walk through your day-to-day -day life. Because Jesus couldn't physically be in the room with every single one of us at the same time, but the Holy Spirit, the original word right there when he says the advocate to describe the Holy Spirit, it actually suggests someone who comes alongside of you. Do you know that when you walk through the difficult times in life, the Holy Spirit is walking right beside you? That he's with you. In fact, I think that's why Psalm 23 verse four says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are 
close beside me. Your rod and staff protect and comfort me. So when you walk into that tense family situation that nobody wants to be a part of, but everybody has to at some point in life, you stop and you say, God's peace is with me today. When you walk into that chaotic situation at work and everybody's looking at you for the answers or maybe everybody's mad at the boss, you walk in and you say, you know what, I'm walking in God's peace today. When you know you're leaving work and you're going back to a chaotic environment at home and things are a mess in your marriage, you say, you know what, before you step across the threshold and walk inside, I'm walking in God's peace today. God's peace prepares me, but God's peace goes with me wherever I go. The third thing is this, God's peace gives me traction. Those nails that were in the Roman soldier's sandals, they, they weren't for decoration. They, they weren't just to hold the pieces of the sandal together. Those hobnails provided traction for a Roman soldier. They provided traction when they were on the battlefield. They provided traction when they were defending territory because if you slip when you're defending, something bad is gonna happen to you. They provided traction when they were on the offensive. And can I say to you today, I don't wanna live my whole life defending against the enemy's attack. I wanna live life on the offensive. Jesus said, I will build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In ancient culture, the word gates signified strength. But can I suggest to you today that maybe Jesus also meant that we should be advancing against the kingdom of hell, not having it advance against us all the time. And so our job is to advance. And these shoes, the gospel of peace, they give us traction so that we can move forward. Psalm 94 verses 18 through 19 says, I cried out, I'm slipping, but your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Let me just say this, in an unstable world, you're gonna slip sometimes. Can I say this today? You might be doubting right now, questioning your faith, but God's not afraid of that. And in fact, it's his words that will bring you comfort and joy again. I just believe over someone right now that in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of stumbling and falling because of the cares of this life, that God is saying, I'm here to comfort you in this moment. I give you my peace, as Jesus said. Proverbs 24, 16 says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Psalm 37, 23 says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Here's what I want you to hear today. You will stumble as we just said, but we are not the people who are perfect. We are the people who get back up. The beautiful picture is of Peter when he walks on water and he's coming to Jesus and as he's focusing on Jesus, he's walking, but when he gets his eyes onto the waves, he begins to sink and he cries out and he asks the Lord to help him. And Jesus pulls him up out of the water. Can I say this? Your focus determines your faith and your faith determines your footing. Let's say that a little bit slower. Your focus determines your faith and your faith determines your footing. If you feel like everything is unstable right now, maybe it's a faith issue, but maybe that's a focus issue. When you get your eyes on the storms of life, 
you'll begin to sink. But I want you to know this morning that all you have to do is ask God to help you. Because the righteous person falls seven times, but they get back up again. This one disaster, it's not going to ruin your life. You're a righteous person, and God's going to pull you out of it. See, in the middle of an ever-changing world, things are always going wrong. Things are always shifting. As that song says, all other ground is sinking sand. But there's something funny about the world we live in that we have to walk over the sinking sand sometimes because we live in a broken world. And I think that the gospel, the message that Jesus Christ died for me in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of my sin, and that he views me as righteous in his sight, I think the gospel gives us peace in three ways because it tells me who Jesus is. It tells me that he's good. Listen, if your spouse walks out on you, you still know that Jesus loves you because the Bible says that God is love. It's framing my world. It's giving me traction when life is changing on me. The second thing is it tells me what Jesus has done for me, that you are bought with a price in spite of your failures, that when you fail on the job, that when the business that you tried to start doesn't work and you're in more debt than you can imagine, that your value is not any less. No, you were worth the cross to Jesus. And then the last thing is it tells me who I am in him. That no matter what people say about you, you still know what he says about you. That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, adopted as sons and daughters, bought with a price. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. The gospel gives us traction. It helps us find our footing when the world is changing. The fourth and final thing I want to leave you with today is that peace leaves footprints. Peace leaves footprints. You know, as I was researching the Roman soldier's sandals, it's really interesting because I came across this article from the Museum of London. and They were talking about how there were decorative sandals. I believe that was the article. That Some people had decorative sandals, and it's documented in the Roman Empire. Like, wealthy people might have them, and, and, and uh, also there were young ladies that would have them. And what they would do is when they'd make these hobnails, they, when they'd put them into the, the sole of the sandal, they would get designs in them so that when they walked down the street, it would leave a decorative footprint. You got a picture they're walking through the dust and they would see all these decorations. The young ladies, actually, there was a particular Roman writing where the writer was frustrated about it because he thought it was immature or something like that because the young ladies would actually get like love notes or love messages imprinted on the bottom of their shoes. So when they walked in the dirt, it would basically be like this love message. It's kind of like the original TikTok, if you think about it. <laughs> and so when they would walk, they would leave these footprints that were decorative. But you think about when a Roman soldier walked, they would leave footprints too, and probably people knew who that was. And I want to suggest to you today that your peace leaves a footprint wherever you go. I wonder what would happen if when you walked out of a difficult meeting at work if people said there was no peace in the room until she came in. We don't really know why, but when she walked out, it was just different. I wonder what happened, and I mean, it's holiday season coming up. Let's be real. I wonder what would happen if you were at that Thanksgiving dinner and you're like, dear God, help us this year. So-and-so is gonna bring up such and such and it's gonna get crazy. But when you walk into the situation, peace enters the room. 
See, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And then it says, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, this is part of preparation. The gospel of peace makes me ready to give an answer for the hope that I have. Because when I'm walking in that way of peace, my life is preaching a sermon. I think we could say it this way, that peace should leave footprints that lead other people to Jesus. That when they see how you work, when they see how you operate with your kids, when they see how you treat your spouse, when they see that you're not uh, freaking out when everybody else is freaking out about the things that are going on around you, they say, what is it inside of you that gives you that kind of hope? And you say, well, my peace is just leaving a footprint to Jesus. Because you can follow footprints and find out where they're going and where they came from. And I just wanna encourage somebody today that God has called you to be a non-anxious presence. There's a quote that I heard a long time ago that stuck with me. It said that the church is called to be a non-anxious presence in a chronically anxious world. I have never seen a day and age when anxiety is more on the rise than it is right now. And it's due to multiple factors. I think some of it's spiritual. I think some of it's just natural. I think we have so much stimuli as we scroll on our phones and get a million messages all the time that we don't ever give our brains time to rest. That's why the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. That's why Isaiah explained to us that we are to wait on the Lord and then we'll renew our strength. There's a lot happening in our world that's trying to steal our peace. But I wanna say something and I wanna say this strongly but gently at the same time. Uh, particularly, I've noticed this and God's given me a heart for it recently in Gen Z. I've heard a lot of people from that generation say, I, I would love to do that, but my anxiety. Well, I used to, but my anxiety. And the phrase that's caught me is my anxiety. And I wanna just say openly and honestly, I'm the person that has stood on this stage while preaching to you and struggled with anxiety in that very moment. It's okay to walk through those moments. The psalmist said, when anxiety was great within me, your words brought me comfort. But we walk through anxiety, we don't own it. And I'm gonna say this, and I wanna be careful how I say it, but I just don't want you to treat anxiety like something that you bring with you everywhere you go. Because the scripture says that it's his peace that you go in everywhere you go. And maybe in this world, it's not that you never struggle with anxiety. Maybe in this world, it's that when you do, you know what to do with it and who to take it to. That's why Peter said to cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's why Philippians 4 says that we present our requests to God and then we thank him for all that he's done. And then the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That when you feel the feeling, you know who to take it to. And they can see your footprints in the midst of anxiety leading them to Jesus as well. That we're called to be a non-anxious presence in a chronically anxious world. And there's, I think it was General Norman Schwarzkopf. He said that optimism is a force multiplier, meaning that if people are positive, everything is amplified. We can do more together. But I wanna to suggest today that peace is a force multiplier. 
then in a world that's gone crazy, then in a world that's anxious, your peace will advance the kingdom of God because people will want what you have. Your peace leaves footprints that lead people to Jesus. So what does the peace of God do? Number one, peace prepares me. Number two, peace goes with me. Number three, peace gives me traction. And number four, peace leaves footprints. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your peace. I just, we prayed over this last service and I just feel it again. If you're in this room and the peace that you used to have is lacking, maybe you're struggling with anxiety. I wanna be very clear. Sometimes anxiety is the result of a chemical issue and you need to talk to a doctor about that. Sometimes the anxiety is just the result of stress, but sometimes there is a spiritual attack. Whatever it is, God is over the body, the mind, and the spirit, and he can heal all three. And sometimes I think the devil will use what's happening chemically in your body, and he'll try to attach something spiritual to it and find any inroad that he can. If you're here today and you would say, I'm struggling with peace, I don't feel led to ask you to raise your hand. I just feel led to pray over you. Wherever you're at, if you're saying, I'm struggling with peace, maybe you have diagnosed anxiety, Maybe you uh, are struggling just with regular worry about a big decision in life or a negative situation that's happening. Whatever it is, I just wanna take a moment and I wanna pray with you. So if that's you today, you don't need to raise your hand, but I want you to do something in your heart to give it to God in this moment. Again, Peter said that we cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for us. When you cast or throw something, you wanna throw it so far that it doesn't come back. So in this moment, I just wanna pray for you if that's you and you're walking through anxiety. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that Isaiah 54, 13 says that my children shall be taught by God and great shall be their peace. Father, we pray over Gen Z, over every young adult, over every teenager. We pray over the coming generation after them, Gen Alpha and the young kids that are struggling and dealing with anxiety. And we speak in the name of the living God that anxiety will not steal the peace of God in their lives. Father, we thank you for your word in Isaiah 54, 17 that says that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And that includes the weapon of anxiety and fear that the enemy would try to bring against us. Father, we speak Philippians 4, 7, that the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that term that Paul uses there for guard is a military term. It means that they mount garrison all around our heart and mind, that on every side I'm protected by God's peace. Father, we speak Isaiah 26, 3, which says that um, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. Father, we speak Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, that says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, we walk in peace. Father, we just break the chains of anxiety in Jesus' name. Whether it's physical or whether it's just mental and stress related or whether it's a spiritual thing, Father, we break the chains of anxiety. You might think, well, my mom was anxious. My dad was anxious. Everybody in my family is like this. No, in the name of Jesus, it stops with you. You're not, you're not relegated to living a life of anxiety. And let me say one more thing to you, and I just, I feel like speaking this by the Spirit of God, stop letting anxiety tell you what God has spoken isn't true. You step into the purpose that God has for you, even if you feel afraid. You step in 
Because Joshua chapter one, God had to tell Joshua, a mighty leader and a, and a man who was trained in battle, who had been battle hardened through experience. He had to say over and over again, don't be afraid. You step into it even if you do feel afraid and God will take care of you in the process. I speak life over you in Jesus name. If you've got a kid or a loved one at home who's struggling with anxiety, I want you to pray for them in your own words right now. This is not about the person with the microphone. This is about the prayers of the saints being lifted up to God. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that it's broken off of teenagers. We thank you in the name of Jesus that we are peaceful houses. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that just like when the disciples went two by two into villages, they would let a blessing or peace rest on a house. Father, we thank you that our houses are blessed and peace rests on them in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that our children are protected in Jesus' name. Our spouses are protected. Father, we thank you that we're walking in peace and we bind anxiety and we loose freedom in the name of Jesus. We speak peace in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.